You are listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today's episode is all about moving from a job into your own business and how to manage your own expectations around time. Have you ever wondered how you could be more productive and calm in your business without burning out? Do you feel like you're on an endless treadmill and trying to be productive and getting things done? Well, this episode is dedicated to you and to that subject because there are a couple of important considerations that you've probably forgotten. And when you get your head around this, your life is going to become so much easier. This episode is for all of the coaches that I've worked with over the past few years who've really struggled to feel productive in their new coaching businesses. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You wake up on a Monday morning and you walk into your office and you wonder, what am I supposed to be doing today? What should I be focusing on? Maybe I'll start there. And then there's this other thing that I need to do. And then what happens is you end up multitasking through the day and you feel like you've gotten some things done. But by about Wednesday, something's happened with the family or the dogs got run over or something's gone on with the neighbour or your kids and you've lost focus. And once again, you feel like you're spinning your wheels and getting nothing done. You're wondering why you're not productive or not as productive as other people seem to be and desperately thinking about how you can get back on track. So let's look at why this happens and what you can do to fix it. At this point, I want to introduce a great book called The E-Myth, and it's written by Michael Gerber. He describes three business personalities and how each of those brings a unique set of strengths and skills to the running of a business. To keep it really brief, the personalities could be summarised as, number one, the entrepreneur, that's the ideas person and the people person. Number two is the manager, who is the organiser or the systems person. And number three is the technician, who is the worker or the doing person. As you can probably tell, every business needs all three aspects. We need the ideas and the the marketing and the people person type of role and we need somebody to organise everything and we need someone to do the actual work. And I love the E-Myth as a guide to understanding those three personalities and the roles that need to come into a business. And I use this model when I teach business skills to coaches who are setting up their businesses and transitioning from a job or their own business into something slightly different. As we go through this episode, you'll discover why this knowledge is so essential when you're working on your own business. And I'll also put a link to a quiz that I have on my website in the show notes that will help you figure out what personality you are. Now, I want to say this. Thinking about the entrepreneur and the manager and the technician, most people are really, really good and dominant in one area. Some people have strengths in two areas. And it's pretty rare to find somebody who has skills in all three areas and a desire to work in all of them. So that's a really important thing to think about as we're going forward. Now let's take a little look at one of these types in particular and see how that affects your ability to manage time. And I'm going to look at the type of the technician. 
I'd like you to think about your early career when you first started work in any sort of a job. Maybe you're at Coles or maybe you're in a cafe or something like that. Most of us start our working lives as technicians. Technicians are the people who do the grunt work in the business. They do the thing that's being sold. And some examples include being the coffee maker, the shoe salesperson, the builder, the tiler, the scientist, the teacher, the nurse, the piano player, or the coach, if you're running a coaching business. All of those examples are people who have a skill in that particular area. In other words, the technicians are the doers. They love their work and they appreciate craftsmanship. And they're really, really good at this one particular area. They love learning and honing and refining their skills and strengths. They love getting the job done properly to the best of their ability. Technicians dislike the unknown. It's a distraction from getting the job done. Now think about that for a moment. A lot of people in jobs, as we mentioned, you start your career this way, you're working for other people. A lot of people spend most of their lives fairly and squarely in the technician's role. Over a period of years, you might get some more experience and skills and you might be promoted to a more senior role where you are ending up doing the same sorts of technical work but at a higher level. They may call you a manager, but you might be a more senior technician or a manager of technicians. Some people do go on to become team leaders or managers, but think about the role for a moment. Probably at least 90% of your time spent at work is in a technical role doing the job of a technician, doing the work. So in your mind, in your paradigm, a working week is I show up and see clients and maybe there's 10% of your week that's not doing that in your mind where you do a bit of administration. In a job, somebody's given you a project to manage or a series of tasks to complete or a job description and you just show up and do it. You don't have to think about it. You know exactly what you have to do and when and you expect that you will spend 90% of your time doing that. Even in a manager's role, you may, you may have evolved into that from a technical position and you're still doing a lot of the technical work but have had to learn how to juggle time and people and budgets. So have a think about how that might play out when you transition from a job working for someone else in a predefined role with predefined timeframes into running your own business. I'm sure you can start to see what goes on and why it becomes difficult. So let's talk about the, tr- the stage of transition into your own business. What happens when a technician leaves their job to start their own business is that it's often they're thinking, I could do this on my own. I could make ma- way more money than I did in my job. They're charging me out at so much and I'm only getting paid that much, a small percentage. I'm sick of being bossed around. I want to do this work the way I think it should be done. I know my stuff. I'm good at this. I want to work on my terms. So if you're somebody that has said any of those things to yourself, this is where some self-awareness is really important before you step into your own business or as you're doing that. Consider that in your own business, you will no longer be spending 90% of your time in a technical role because there are all the other areas of the business that need to be attended to. And especially if you've never done any of those other roles before, 
you may have no idea of what's involved or of how much time to spend in each of those areas. So if you want to transition successfully from a technical job-based role into your own business, you're going to need to adjust your expectations and get really clear on how and where people spend time in their businesses. And that's what I want to talk about next, just so that you're really clear on what that transition looks like. So let's talk about that transition from a job into your own business and where you need to be spending time. Let's start with the main areas of the business that need to be attended to each week. In no particular order, these are systems, that is setting up and or managing systems that run your business. There's administration, which could include ordering stationery, organising appointments, booking in clients, managing client paperwork, doing reflections after sessions and those sorts of things. Could also include creating programs. Number three is finance. This is invoicing people, bank reconciliation, paying credit cards, paying bills, all those sorts of things, and keeping an eye on how your business is tracking financially. Number four is marketing. That's telling what people what you do over and over again, appearing somewhere and being visible and seen and becoming known as the person who does a particular thing and attracting an audience. Number five is advertising, which is slightly different to marketing. Advertising is where you are talking about a specific thing that you want to sell and you're asking people to buy it. And number six is sales. In order to sell something, especially where there's a relationship involved, you're selling a relationship like coaching, then you're going to need to set some time aside to talk to people for free because they're probably not going to just show up and buy a 12-week coaching program if they don't know you. They'll want to talk to you at least once before they do that. So that's the next part that you need to do to facilitate the buying process. And then finally, number seven is the technical work. That's the coaching or the other service that you offer. So these are seven main areas of your business where you need to invest time. And right now we're excluding other things like managing IT, setting up safety systems or human resources. If you're a solo business owner, you probably don't need to do much in those areas for now, but they'll possibly come up if you want to grow and scale your business. But as you can see, this is where the challenge lies because a lot of people come out of jobs and their brains expect them to be coaching full-time. After all, that's what work feels like to a technician. Doing anything but your craft can leave you feeling unproductive or stuck or fearful. How am I going to spend my week if I'm not coaching? Your paradigm, your belief system is telling you that you need to be working with clients full-time. So that's going to be a big shift. Maybe you aren't skilled at those other areas or you don't like them or you don't know what's involved. And what happens is you might think desperately about how you can coach more people and avoid all, that, avoid all those other bits. Sorry, but that won't work. <laughs> what will work is developing a realistic plan to manage your time when you're starting up and then adjusting that plan as your business grows in the first year. You need to be pretty agile, but knowing that this is going to happen helps you to prepare mentally and physically for that shift, which might lead you to ask, well, how much time should you be spending in each area of your business? 
I can give you some broad examples because every business is different. Your business model, for example, would have a big impact on how you spend your time. If you're coaching clients in a one-to-one capacity, you obviously need to have much more time set aside to work with clients than if you're doing group coaching where you might see one-to-many clients in fewer hours. But let's talk generally about how your business can evolve in its first year and talk about some realistic numbers for how you might be spending your time and, let's face it, your energy each week. Let's start in the beginning. In the beginning, you might have no clients or maybe only one day or a few patchy sessions of client work. What does that mean? That means that you are doing your technical work, but you need to get more of it in order to run your business. So you're going to need to spend much more time in other areas such as marketing, advertising and sales that are going to generate the business to get the clients to pay the bills. So in your first three months of setting up and running your coaching business, full-time this is, you might spend three days per week on marketing, advertising and sales type activities, one day set aside for the technical work, which is coaching and administration, and perhaps one day on setting up systems and finance. This is just a rough guide, but it's probably pretty relevant for most people. And even if you're on a side hustle, I would say the same proportions apply. You're going to be spending much more time on marketing, systems and finance, getting your business set up so that you can start delivering a professional service. Without marketing, there's no clients. So marketing needs to be the priority and take up the bulk of your time in the beginning. And that means you're going to be thin on the ground for income. You need to have a backup plan, a financial buffer, or a part-time job that's going to earn you some income. If you spend your time wisely in these first three months, then you'll get clients through your marketing efforts. And you'll be able to spend money that you earn there on systems that will automate a lot of the manual unpaid work that you're doing in your business in the startup phase and in an ongoing sense. So that's a really important thing. I'm just going to say that again. If you spend your time wisely, you'll get clients through marketing that will generate an income that you can invest in the systems that will automate many areas of your business. The things that take time but don't earn any any income. You want to automate as much of that as possible. Things like booking in clients, doing your invoicing, even sometimes your marketing and advertising. If you can systemize everything, it means you have to spend very little time on it. It means you have a rinse and repeat way of managing your business so that you can focus on doing what you love, the technical work. So that's the startup phase, perhaps in your first three months. What happens when you start to get established? Let's look at what I'm calling the establishment phase. If you can build up to two days of client work in your first year, then your week would need to be rearranged to accommodate that. You're shifting from one day of client work up to two, so there's going to be a bit of juggling. Obviously, in this phase, you would still be quite heavily invested in marketing to build your work pipeline. But you'll also need to build and automate the systems to drive your business while you work, as I've just described. Otherwise, you can outsource this. If you don't have the skill or interest in learning all about how to do all of those things, marketing and systems and all of that, you can ask someone to help you. You can contract that to somebody else to get it set up and running. 
So thinking about your next, say, three to six months or even nine months, you might spend roughly one and a half to two days a week on marketing, advertising and sales type activities. You might have increased to two days of technical work, coaching and administration that is, and you may spend one to one and a half days on systems and finance. Now, as you can imagine, there's a juggling act that happens here as you're growing. And a lot of the time, your weeks will be a bit of a roller coaster of irregular hours and tasks. It's going to be a bit of a mishmash. Hang on for the ride. Stick with it. If you have your processes set up correctly in all areas of your business, then that's going to smooth out a lot of the bumps. For example, if you have specific launch times in each quarter, as in every quarter you have a set period where you're advertising something for sale, it's going to help you to manage your shifting workload over each 90-day quarter so you develop a consistent income and stay on top of your tasks. If you knew that the first month of every quarter was devoted to marketing and advertising to sell a certain number of programs, that would mean the rest of that three-month period could be spent focusing on the technical work. Then you would start that cycle again. It's a really great way to run your year because it gives you a a sense of variety. It gives you a rest from doing the coaching work all the time and it gives you a chance to tap into seasonal trends with your advertising. So that's the establishment phase and within about 12 months or maybe 18 months depending on how you're setting your business up, you reach what's called the operational phase. And in a business, or more specifically a coaching business that's fully operational, you would probably want to be coaching for 10 to 20 hours a week, depending on your clientele, your format and the fees you're charging, and your personal preferences. I myself wouldn't want to coach more than 10 people, 10 individuals a week, or perhaps four groups. I know from past experience, that's about my maximum. And you will have to get a sense of that for yourself. But let's say that you're working one-to-one, at least in your first year. If you're able to leave a 15 to 30-minute gap between your sessions and you're doing 10 to 20 hours a week, you could feasibly coach or deliver a similar sort of service to coaching over three full days, let's say. And that would leave you with two days per week to fit in your other six areas. So when your business is fully operational, you might spend one day a week on marketing, advertising and sales type activities because it's systemized, three days a week on the technical work, coaching and admin, and then one day on systems and finance. That's just a rough guide. And they're the three main phases that might happen in your first 12 to 18 months in business. Now, you can stay in that operational phase for a long time if you want to, but most businesses go into what's called a growth phase. After startup establishment and operation, you might decide that you want to grow your business to the next level. And while that's another topic for another time, you could say it's a bit like going back to the establishment phase of your business because you'll need to adjust your strategy and your model, make some changes, invest in reworking programs or developing programs, and then you'll need to implement the changes that will allow you to scale and make more money in less time. That's going to take a bit of time and effort and energy and it might cost you some money to do that. So it's almost like going backwards a little before you can go forwards. Let's sum it up what we've talked about today. Technicians are people who are skilled at a particular area. I think of it as craftsmanship. And if this is you, if you're really a technician in the business and love doing your work, 
you might find it hard to transition from a job into your own business at first, especially if you keep thinking that productive work equals just doing your craft. Now, that's simply untrue. In actual fact, the most powerful work you can do is in the promotion and management of your business because it's those two things that allow you to do the technical work in the first place. If you'd like some help to navigate the transition from job to coaching business, visit melaniejwhite.com forward slash habitology and learn how you can stop spinning your wheels and get there sooner. Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions about that episode, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Thanks for listening and see you next time.